Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, I'm John Brown, chairman of Beyond Net Zero, and this is Net Zero and Beyond. In this series, we look at how the world can get to net zero and the pioneers hoping to make it happen. Each episode looks at a different part of society and a different solution. Today, we look at the skies, at the future of aviation. As the global pandemic has demonstrated, we depend on air travel for so much. To do business, to go on vacation, and to see our loved ones. But aviation accounts for around 3% of global greenhouse gas emissions from the burning of hydrocarbon-based liquid fuels. Air traffic is projected to double by 2035. Around 80% of emissions in aviation come from journeys over 1,500 kilometers. And that's the distance from London to Rome, where the G20 recently met. Electric planes might provide an alternative for shorter flights, but the weight of batteries and passengers mean its application is limited. For long-haul travel, there appears to be no credible alternative to liquid fuels. And so, the aviation industry finds itself at an existential crossroads. Aviation's emissions are projected to double, triple, potentially even quadruple in the coming decades. Let's turn to France, where lawmakers have voted to ban many short-haul domestic flights. Climate change is a really pressing issue, and we're absolutely clear that we have to reach net zero emissions by 2050. As the world moves towards net zero, how can the industry follow? The International Air Transport Association represents around 290 airlines, including the biggest airlines in the world. Its director, Willy Walsh, is a former CEO of British Airways and was CEO of International Airlines Group when it became the first major aviation company to commit to net zero in 2019. Mr. Walsh, so nice to see you after so long. Yes, good to see you too. I'm looking out at the runway. It's quite a, a dull, cloudy day here, but uh, otherwise not too bad. So I thought we'd start by, I would like to ask you, how did you get to the point when you, first, I think, in, the, in your industry, said the industry has to get to net zero? How did you get to that point? Well, actually, I found it quite easy to get there because the, the science is overwhelming and it was clear that... We have to go beyond the targets that we had previously set. 
And I was really pleased, actually, that, uh, you know, most airlines had got to that position anyway. And those that hadn't uh, very quickly uh, came to the conclusion that it was essential for the industry to have any credibility to set a more challenging target of net zero by 2050. So that's a a great story. I remember having the same feelings when I was starting to think about setting what were then targets for greenhouse gas reduction in the oil and gas industry. It took a little bit longer for the oil and gas industry to respond. Sounds like the airline industry were pretty fast off their feet to come along to a real target, which is a great thing for an industry to do because then more people can work on solving the problem. And, and that, that, that's exactly it, actually, because we've had this chicken and egg debate around, you know, uh, for example, sustainable aviation fuel is a critical issue for us. And the debate has been, you know, will airlines buy sustainable fuels? And, and really what we're saying is that's not the right question. The question is, will fuel producers produce it? Because, you know, as an industry, we're determined to uh, do what we can to improve our performance. But we can't do it on our own. You know, we don't build the airplanes. We don't build the engines. We don't produce the fuel. So we need critical suppliers to work with us to enable the industry to achieve these targets. What, what do you mean by a sustainable fuel uh, when it comes to aviation? So looking at the life cycle CO2, we believe that there are fuels that can be produced from various feedstocks, you know, so it won't compete with uh, food production, it won't compete with land use for food production. You know, some uh, have invested in municipal waste, so waste to liquid. Still today, a lot of waste goes into landfill. So you have a landfill's tax, so you have a financial incentive to use this waste as a feedstock rather than putting it in the the ground. And we believe you can get sustainable fuels with an 80% reduction in life cycle CO2. So there there are several components to this. Obviously, uh, aeroplanes get more and more efficient. I mean, they go faster, go further, go longer with less energy. I suppose it's to do with the bodies and the engines and things like that. But the fuel... What I have observed, I think it's right, that 80% of journeys by aeroplane are longer than journeys from London to Rome. I guess that's medium and long haul. And as a physicist and as someone in the energy business, I know that liquids are a very powerful way of storing energy and not bettered by many other things uh, in life except probably nuclear fuel. And that's out of the question for this sort of activity. So how is the sustainable fuel business going to develop? What's going to happen there? Well, for sure, you're absolutely correct. We estimate that 80% of CO2 produced by the industry comes from flights of greater than 1,500 kilometers. So the first thing I would say about that is, you know, it's clear that we're not going to have a solution through electric or hybrid electric or even hydrogen in the timeframe that we're, we're talking about to 2050, certainly for long haul travel. And you're also correct in saying that, you know, a liquid based fuel, uh, kerosene is essential for aviation and ha- has many advantages, including the fact that as you burn the fuel, the weight of the aircraft reduces and the, the uh, lower the weight, the less fuel that's required. So, you know, some alternative sources like uh, electric or hybrid electric runoff batteries, you're, you're carrying the same weight from start to 
finish. So, you know, we, we've been very clear that in the absence of game-changing technologies such as hydrogen or hybrid electric, you know, we need to identify a, a sustainable fuel source. Uh, the good news is the technology is proven. The engines that are on our aircraft today can actually operate with a mix of kerosene and sustainable fuels. It's currently uh, approved with a 50-50 mix. And uh, what we need to do now is turn what is technologically possible into something that's commercially feasible. And this is the, you know, the classic chicken and egg. Uh, so today, sustainable fuels are available. They're very expensive. So what we need to see is we need to see significant scaling up of the production of sustainable fuels. What would you say the, the increase in the cost of a ticket from London, let's say, to New York would be? with using pure sustainable fuels today? So t- today it's clearly um, would represent about a two to three times uh, increase in our fuel costs. Now the good news is we believe with production at scale, um, because there's clearly a lot of inefficiency today, these fuels are produced, are being produced at very small scale. So we, we reckon you can get close to, but probably at a premium to jet kerosene. If we had a coordinated single European sky, uh, so this is instead of having, you know, an air traffic control uh, provider in every European country, if we had a single European integrated aviation sky, uh, we reckon you could reduce the CO2 footprint by 10 to 12 percent. So, you know, two to three times what could be reduced by the introduction of electric hybrid electric or hydrogen for narrow-body flying in Europe. This is about circling around airports waiting to land and things like that, or being deviated across countries where air traffic control isn't isn't available. Yeah, and, and the, the reality is, as you know, I, I used to be a commercial airline pilot. I, I started flying back in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, and you know, back then, we were heavily dependent on ground-based navigational aid. Today, we're no longer dependent on, on ground base. You know, we've got uh, navigation equipment on the aircraft that enable us to fly from directly from point A to point B. But we're still flying through the skies as if we were flying with aircraft built in the 1940s and 1950s. And this is largely because of a political unwillingness to address this issue. So altogether in Europe, you have 37 from memory different air traffic control service centers compared to one in the US. And and that creates a lot of inefficiency, which means aircraft are flying much longer routes than is necessary at lower altitude that is necessary, because clearly the higher we can fly, the more efficient jet engines operate. So there's a lot that can be done to improve the environmental performance of the industry. It just doesn't singly depend on uh, sustainable fuels. It requires coordination at a government level and clearly coordination from manufacturers, from air traffic control providers and from from airlines to ensure we're doing everything we can. Can I just ask you, so a lot of people uh, say what we should really do is fly less, that actually in the end we ought to stay at home and not use aeroplanes and therefore we could reduce carbon dioxide emissions. The problem for the world is that, you know, train travel isn't always possible and uh, many parts of the world are divided by 
seas and oceans, and therefore, uh, you know, we don't have this option. And as I said, if you eliminated all flying of less than 500 kilometers in Europe, which typically represents, you know, about a two, two and a half hour train journey, you would reduce the CO2 of the industry by 3.8%. So it's not the game changer. And then uh, going back to what I said at the beginning, and what you quite rightly pointed out, 80% of the industry's CO2 comes from flights of greater than 1,500 kilometers, where typically there isn't an alternative form of transport. So, you know, if we're to continue to connect the world, and, and I think one of the things we've realized through this pandemic is that the value of that uh, connectivity, then, you know, aviation is going to continue to be a critical part of our lives. And what we've got to do is to ensure that we uh, apply what is critical to our lives in the most efficient way possible. And hence the reason the industry is uh, committed to achieving uh, the targets that we've set and to pursuing uh, what I think are challenging goals, but realistic goals, because we, we believe we have a very credible pathway to getting to net zero in 2050. Very exciting future. Willie Walsh, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.